Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast with me, Conor Whiteley. Psychology student and international best-selling psychology author of over 30 psychology books, bringing you the latest psychology news, fascinating psychology topics and more each week. If you want to learn more, then please check out connorwhiteley.net forward slash books. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube video or follow on your favourite podcast app. And here's the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 194 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Con Whiteley. And today's episode is on Who is most vulnerable to misinformation? And it is the 4th of March 2023 as I record this. So today's episode is a really fun one because we're basically stepping away from clinical psychology and the sort of normal um, topics of like the podcast and we're turning towards social psychology because misinformation is an absolutely critical topic that is so important. Like, these days, especially with the rise of like fake news, misinformation, and so many other important topics that we need to understand, not only to protect ourselves, but actually protect society, democracy, etc. as a whole. This is just such a great podcast episode because misinformation is just a really fun topic, especially when you get a really passionate lecturer on it. So that's coming up in the content part of today's episode. But moving on to the psychology news section, we're reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. And the first one is particularly fun, I think. Couples feel closer after indulging in unhealthy behaviours together. Most of us will be able to think of at times we've, we've engaged in problematic behaviours because it's benefited us and our social relationships in the short term. Perhaps you smoked a cigarette because your friend was having one. Stay to that one extra drink even though you probably shouldn't. Should have gone home or lounged on the sofa with your partner rather than going out because it just seemed easier. Now, researchers have found that engaging in these kinds of behaviours with a romantic partner can actually bring you closer. This study brings up interesting questions about how the rewards associated with a problematic short-term behaviours might impact our ability to achieve healthier long-term goals. Okay, so from a relationship point of view, this is a rather um, sort of interesting, but also sort of like a like, weirder one, though, because you like, would have thought that your partner or your like, romantic partner is always a, a source of like, good influence, even though, even though, as I say that, I realise that's completely wrong. I can't believe I even like, thought of that. <laughs> But if we take the going out example, then you would have thought that your partner would have been a good influence about going out because it's more romantic and it's more ideal. But even though, as I say that again, I realise that it is like just easier, like most of the time though. Like 
and I can imagine people when there's not particularly a lot of like um, motivation that it's like just easier to like stay at home because you're still together you're still doing something together and again it's an unhealthy habit that brings you closer but also there were the end of the psychology news article also raises a like good question though because how do these short-term impacts but that might have the positive benefit of uh, bringing people closer but it makes um, healthier long-term goals um, a bit less likely to actually be achieved so an interesting question so what more research will definitely have to be done to find out so the second one is we remember stories better when they're about survival situations okay what makes one story stick in our minds for years but another disappear once we've closed the final page the nature of a character's plight can influence how well we're likely to remember the story according to a recent study the team finds that we're better at recording details of a of the stories where characters are in survival situations suggesting that such stories are particularly good at transporting us into their world okay so that's interesting <laughs> i really can't say too much on this because um i know tons of other techniques and tons of other um, strategies that professional writers use to actually get a reader into their story and I mean, I can understand where this research is like coming from because this tense situation is a really important stuff like suspense and tension, but it doesn't, um, but transporting into the world, that's more stuff like depth, pacing and a bunch of other stuff. So I can't say too much without boring you, without boring, with all the like vice details, but it's um, an interesting point though. And the final one is, Olympic archers performed worse when they had higher heart rates. High stress levels hinder performance on all kinds of tasks, but do elite athletes suffer in the same way? In the past, this has been difficult to measure, but thanks to the introduction of heart rate monitoring cameras in the archery competitions at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, we now have an answer. Researchers have found when archers had to, had to higher heart rate, they get lower scores, providing some of the first direct evidence that psychological stress has a detrimental effect on elite athletes too. So very quickly that were because sports psychology isn't really like my area of expertise whatsoever. I've had one lecture on it and even and because someone kept asking questions we only got through like a quarter of the lecture none of us were impressed with that person <laughs> first of all I did manage to take away from that sports psychology lecture was that that professional athletes actually have a lot of like psychological training and normally though they're quite conditioned to high stress situations yeah, but, like, um, but I guess there's a massive difference between training and actually um, performing in uh, you know, 
right actually performing in the olympics so basically i don't think there's any training that can actually prepare you like that though and it does show us so this direct evidence is good because this is the first time that this has ever been done plus it'd be interesting to think about what other implications could this have because ideally you would want to find some sort of countermeasure or some sort of way to deal with this just so these athletes um, aren't actually impacted by the, by the psychological stress that they're going through but I have no idea how you would actually go around that so I hope you enjoy the psychology news section so let's move on to the personal update So we're moving on to the personal update. So this personal update will actually be very short because it's mainly been like data analysis again, writing up the results section and basically like continuing with my final year project. Then it's been lectures, meetings, and basically everything is like everything is going on. And next week I've got something that I consider quite scary, which is something to do with it's a called a graduation launch day so you get your sizes of your gown and cap and all of that and like you will find out um, the actual day that you're graduating so i think so when i read the email on friday i was a bit sh i was a bit surprised because i was thinking oh yes like i'm almost done here but again because i know i'm doing my masters and there's the potential that i'm going to be doing something else at the same university um it doesn't it might it doesn't feel final but it's still quite surprising that oh yes i'm going to be graduating in a few months <laughs> so that was quite interesting but lots are going on just nothing that um would interest any of you and as always i always love to hear your thoughts and feelings on today's episode so you can always email me conwhitelyconwhitely.net you can always leave a comment on the show notes at conlawhitelit.net forward slash podcast and you can always leave a comment on the Facebook post or tweet me at sci-fi whitely or for Facebook Connor Whitely Psychology Author. I always love to hear from all of you because it really helps make the podcast feel more like a conversation. And today's episode has been sponsored by Social Psychology, a guide to social and cultural psychology, 4th edition. And this is a brilliant sponsor for today's episode because a lot of like misinformation actually relies on a lot of like social processes. For example, like a person's group membership and a whole bunch of other like social processes. But this great, really easy to understand book actually goes into uh, like a lot more topics topics uh, for example how does a coach impact uh, our social processes how does like globalization how is our social identity formed as well as the self and uh, a personal favorite is that uh, persuasion uh, that's a really like fun area to actually uh, look at so if you wanted to really deepen your understanding about social psychology then definitely check out uh, Social Psychology, a guide to social and cultural psychology. Available from all the major ebook retailers, and you can get the paperback and hardback version from Amazon 
your local bookstore or local library if you request it. And you can also buy the ebook directly from me at playhip.com forward slash Connor Whiteley. And buying it directly from authors, like it just helps uh, to support them more because uh, the authors uh, get more of the money in instead of the larger retailers. So that's enough the personal update. Let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So we're moving on to the content part of our today's episode. So we're going to be talking about who is most vulnerable to misinformation. And the reason why I actually wanted to talk about this in today's episode is because misinformation is a massive problem. That has a whole range of consequences and all of them are negative. And this had became like a particularly stark and very clear during the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Because as you would like probably know were that there was a massive spread of misinformation about health, the disease and the vaccines. So this caused a hell of a lot of damage. So that's why we actually need to talk about it in today's episode. So let's dive into it. Who is most vulnerable to misinformation? Because of the interest in the problem and risk associated with misinformation, a lot of researchers and academics have studied in investigating this topic in a lot more depth in an effort to help tackle this stark problem. And yet, there is one question that keeps arising without a seemingly clear answer. Who is the most vulnerable to misinformation? Then there are of of course sub questions that are quite rightly get attached to this big one for example researchers are interested in are there certain environmental or circumstantial factors that impact someone's vulnerability or do personality or psychological profiles predict someone's firm right firm belief in misinformation Oh, I hate that term, um, psychological profiles, because it just reminds me of criminal profiling. And yeah, and if you want to see my rather stronger thoughts on that and the evidence base, definitely check out um, criminal profiling. These are questions are great in that theory because knowing the answer to them would it certainly be helpful, but they are problematic because of methodological issues. Because I have no idea how you would test these these questions all in an in empirical way. That's the problem facing researchers. But thankfully, some people are making headway too. So what we are starting to have an idea, especially as we used to believe that if someone was just exposed to misinformation, then that was enough to make a person believe in it. But more modern research is starting to, to cast a lot of a doubt on the idea. For example, the Gridge 2021 suggests that people who are low in, in certain skills, for example, media literacy, digital literacy and cognitive skills may be more prone to misinformation. And personally, um, this is why I hate tabloids, because in my egg experience, 
tabloids simply make up or they just twist stories to make people angry and as and to sell their stories for example in february 2023 in the uk a far-right protest outside a hotel housing migrants waiting to get their asylum claims that protest turned violent because the far-right started beating up innocent migrants that's the facts that is what all the good news sources like we reported and there was like photos like videos like reporting that and that's what the police said but then the very next day i saw at least two tabloids reporting that it was a, that it was the migrants that started the riot and they were attacking people and it's basically like if you're gonna make up the stories at least at least make them plausible so this is complete utter rubbish and this is clear misinformation but tons of people believed it sadly hence are creating the completely wrong belief that all refugees and migrants are nothing more than criminals it's wrong and i hate the myth yeah that and there were tons of other stories like this week uh, because i was working with some outreach um people that were like and they had recently worked with a bunch of former like refugees and it was really nice like to hear um how like a driven of like um refugees were to actually like get in that like education and to really start contributing to society yeah but that's a whole different um discussion <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's why I always encourage people to check your sources whenever you read the news. <laughs> and that's why there's only like two sources that I take my news from. Um, in addition, these are findings flat out don't say yeah, that people who believe in misinformation just lack key knowledge. Since these are factors around literacy and cognitive skills, don't make up most of the reasons why people probably believe in misinformation. These factors only account for a small part of the problem, as well as it's likely that a knowledge deficiency isn't the reason why misinformation spreads. How do identity characteristics impact misinformation vulnerability? Some other research findings find that uh, identity characteristics could make someone more vulnerable to misinformation. For example, previous research finds that whilst political polarisation, meaning both the far left and the far right, is a risk factor for believing in misinformation, people on the political right are more likely to believe in and spread misinformation than at people on the political left. Digital Planet 2020. In addition, age and education seems to be risk factors as well, since advanced age is associated with a high likelihood of sharing misinformation, as it only having a high school degree displays more vulnerability to believing in fake or misleading news. Digital Planet. 2020. Also, I'm just putting like this in because of this was a massive argument that me and a family member had. 
So I like just want to say to, to try and like get ahead of it. So if someone believes for, for one moment that these research findings are fake because this person believes that researchers manipulated the data because they were left wing and they just wanted to blame the right wing, then these people clearly don't know how academia works since it is impossible or to be honest, I guess a fairer way to say is extremely, extremely difficult for researchers nowadays to fake a data, write misleading articles and to get them professionally published. So the idea that that left-wing researchers just wanted to blame the right-wing is basically stupid and very funny. Anyway, research on identity and skills of related factors show, show that certain people are predisposed to believing in and sharing misinformation. So this research is helpful in understanding these factors, but it doesn't answer questions about are there certain psychological or personality factors involved? How psychological and personality factors relate to misinformation than mobility. Thankfully, in the realm of conspiracy theory research, there have been a good amount of studies in investigating this area with some good findings. For example, certain psychological features like loneliness and isolation, Hudson, 2017, and certain personality traits like narcissism, Shikawa, and all 2022 do lead to a greater chance of believing in conspiracy theories. But are these psychological and personality factors at all relevant to misinformation? Maybe. The main problem is that misinformation research is still in its infancy. But there is a good research that suggests that psychological factors, if present in our childhood, might affect them in adult life in a way that make them susceptible to misinformation. American Psychological Association News of Police 2018 Since generally our childhood beliefs get challenged when we get older, but there is always a strong emotional inclination to hold on to beliefs from our childhood that allow us to maintain family peace. Therefore, as the children learn to come up with rationalisations for the family-held beliefs and to maintain them regardless of the challenge, confirmation bias, our tendency to seek out confirming and agreeing evidence for our beliefs, our beliefs that get a strengthen all the way into adulthood. As a result, the less a child is challenged about their beliefs, the more likely they are to excel with rationalisation that gets rid of alternative ideas. On the other hand, if children are actively taught a scepticism and a critical thinking, their confirmation bias muscles get a little weaker. Moreover, people with higher levels of anxiety are more prone to a confirmation bias, partly because they have a tendency and a strong reason to block out new information 
that might affect them in any way, shape or form. So that's another psychological factor. Finally, belonging to a social world group so that believing in certain types of misinformation could strengthen a person's misinformation muscle as well. Since if a person tries to disengage from this belief, then it threatens their identity and group membership. And as we know from social psychology, absolutely no one wants that. So people will believe in misinformation if it helps them to maintain the group membership and identity, even if disconfirming evidence comes to light. How can we protect people against misinformation? Overall, whilst our understanding of misinformation and who's the most vulnerable to it might still be them, there are several things we can do to help to help protect people. Firstly, we can teach children and people the value of of scepticism and critical thinking because that is a critical and research shows that this is always useful to teach. Secondly, we can learn how to recognise people sharing misinformation and how these people might be anxious or trying to defend a deeply held belief so that we can help these people by approaching them with empathy, compassion and understanding. Conclusion so personally, I flat out love about this topic. Misinformation is so critical to understand and to protect yourself from because it is everywhere, which is why personally, I would absolutely love university to be mandatory since a lot of university courses do teach critical thinking skills, tolerance and media literacy. So it does help to protect people against misinformation. But I know that will never happen, especially when there are times when misinformation keeps the people in power. However, in the fight against misinformation, we will never get very far if we don't understand how it spreads, where it comes from, and who is most susceptible. The research has to continue, and we might have a long, long way to go in fully understanding this. But progress is being made. And we are already achieving amazing things with this small amount of uh, progress. Just imagine all the stunning things we can do when we start to fully understand misinformation. That really will be an amazing day for sure. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and you got something out of it. I definitely know like that I did and misinformation. It's a critical topic that will only become more important in the future. So it's always good to look at. And if you know someone who would enjoy today's episode, then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when you wonderful people help spread the word about the podcast. And definitely check out Social Psychology, a guide to social and cultural psychology available in all the usual places including on my own Payhip store at payhip.com forward slash conwhitely so you can buy it directly from me. But if you didn't want to buy the book but you still wanted to give the podcast a bit of like one-time support 
then you can uh, buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Colin Whiteley. So have a great day everyone and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. Please remember to like the video and subscribe to the the YouTube channel and follow the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And if you wanted to learn more, then please check out the backlist of the podcast episodes or my books at conwhiteley.net. So have a great day and I'll see you next time.